start remembering a time where I embarrassed myself or where I perceived that I embarrassed myself, I can't get out of that uh, mental loop without verbally making a noise. So, and it doesn't doesn't have to be a word or anything like that, but there will be times where I'll be sitting and silently panicking about something something I did (laughs) at work or something that happened in my life at one point, and I'll just kind of go like, bah! and my wife will look at me and go, you okay? And I'll be like, I am now. <laughs> those those uh, memories of embarrassments, those are, I think those tend to be vivid memories for, for a lot of people. I know they oh, are man. for me. I think my most vivid memories that I have are uh, being embarrassed. And I think also I've realized lately that on the few occasions in my life where I have like made someone really laugh, I remember uh, most of those, or a lot of those. Anyway, seems like a lot of my memories are people thinking I'm funny. Okay, those are the ones that you, uh, your brain was like, oh, I like, I liked what that felt like, and so it recorded that real deep in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could. But see tell that. me more about why, why remembering your, uh, your embarrassing incidents is like hell. <clears throat> it's because it's. Uh... It's, it's almost, it's not painful, but it is panic inducing. That's what it is. It's just like, it's, it's like I can create, I can, I can trick my brain into like a fight or flight kind of mode. And I think flight is what I choose most often. (laughs) And that involves a silly sound, perhaps to distract the uh, predator. I'm not sure, but it's, uh, it's, it's, that's why it's hell. It's like, uh, it's, it's panic. It's the same I also have to leave a room. I also feel terrible uh, when I watch awkward things on television. Say like, mm, I can't yeah. watch. I can't watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like I can't watch it. Nor it, can I. It is I can't physically do it painful for me. I can't watch even things that you know are silly and like you shouldn't be like feeling like any sort of uh, empathy or like you shouldn't feel any sort of connection to the character. But like Meet the Fockers and stuff like that. Like. I can't watch that because I'm sitting there going like, oh man, Ben Stiller's character is so like, he's, he's being so awkward right now. And I don't know. I can't watch that stuff. So that is also hell for me. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But the reason of course, Ben, that I bring up hell is that today in Adventure Time, Finn and Jake went to what... I think functions as hell mm-hmm. in ooh, and we call it the Nidosphere. And so the first episode, which is episode five of season four, is called Return to the Nidosphere. Yeah, we're going to spend the entire episode of the podcast today in the Nidosphere, basically. Both episodes uh, feature uh, that realm uh, heavily. Um, yeah, I I welcomed these two. I'm, I, I'm almost tempted to talk about these two episodes together because they I think that's, are yeah i think that 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 it doesn't make much sense for us to like you know somehow try to analytically separate them it, there's a cliffhanger and it's the continuation of the story it's more or less a 30 minute cartoon mm-hmm. which is of note for adventure time they don't do that very often right like they don't there is very few where they have a continuing story arc that goes from one episode to the next usually they are self-contained stories right Right. Every once in a while, there will be a uh, a cliffhanger or something. Um, but frequently, in those cases, it it's not as immediate, I guess, as as it was here. Sometimes, like uh, we'll watch episodes where the cliffhanger is in the second episode, for instance, mm-hmm. um, and that that throws things off. Um, but yeah, this was more or less a, a thirty minute episode because Finn and Jake went to the Nidosphere and they didn't come back except briefly, until the end of the second episode. It was all one plot. Right. So I really liked it. This was, uh, I was like, oh, this is, this is the adventure time. This is the adventure time that, you, that like, I think everybody signed up for. Like, this, yeah. is, this, is, a re- this is a return to, um, 
adventuring for first of all, like a like what you would consider like a real adventure, and uh, Finn and Jake acting as heroes, a well-defined goal, um, and all you know, a bunch of monsters, a bunch of cool characters to meet, and and they and and all of that. So I think this these two episodes was a a return to. Return to form, I guess. Sure. Like a return to classic Adventure Time, from what I've seen so far. Yeah, this um, this one is definitely here's your quest, boys, go for it. Yeah, this one felt, and um, we've talked a lot about, and and we've we've talked a lot about the the similarity. Adventure Time is essentially sort of mimicking, you know, role playing games, D and D kind of style games, right. and I think the creators has said as much in interviews that like basically they would just write plots that they think would be fun to play. D and D, like with their friends about. Um, yeah, going so, to the Nidosphere would be be a yeah. good D and D kind of location. Right, exactly. I mean, it, as I've played D and D, and I, we, I think it is. Um, this was a this was a classic adventure. I mean, like even with like the the plot hook at the very beginning, which was like you wake up somewhere yeah. and you don't know how you got there, and then you've got to start figuring stuff out. That is like classic role playing adventure kind of plot hooks that like yeah. you, you would start you would start with just like hey you wake up in a jail cell and you have to figure out where you are and quickly you figure out you're in hell in a jail cell what do you do and like that is uh that's the whole that's the whole opening to the show um and uh so uh that's where our, that, and it's we should probably talk about the jail first cuz it's a very fun location to open up in and on account of the bananas full- on account of the bananas, the unexplained bananas. Um, so they wake up in uh, in j- hell jail, uh, the <laughs> nitosphere, nitosphere jail, and they're in a cage, and the cage has a pile of bananas in it. And they don't know how they got there. They wake up. There's some clues. Uh, Jake has a, a a smartphone or a, more, a camera phone, not a, a camera phone. phone. Yes, a uh, as as my friend Jeff used to call it, a Nick Fury plot gun. Right. I, uh, a camera phone that has one video available on it because the battery is low, so they can only watch one video, and they use it to look at, like, what did, how did they get here? Did they take any videos of, of their time that they can't remember? And they get one clue, which is that there's a video of them in their treehouse, uh, and there's a portal in the treehouse, and they're like, let's go into the portal. And they both agree that that's like, yeah, we should do that. But we don't know anything more because then the video cuts out, the phone dies. And so we, uh, they still don't know why they're there, but they know at least physically how they got there through some sort of portal. Right. And yeah, it's entirely unclear. Yeah, we just kind of cut into Finn going, all right, let's go through the portal. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's no explanation for why it's there or why they're going to go through it. Um, I, I uh, was interested in this idea of like hell jail. Um mm-hmm. You know, I think that the nidosphere is different from hell insofar as it doesn't seem like, you know, it's populated by demons who it seems to me they may or may not like be sort of shades of people. Um, right. But they, he, uh, hunts an abadir, Marceline's dad describes everyone as confused and frustrated, <laughs> which right. of course is not a good way to live but it's not exactly what you know it's not exactly burning up in hell right it's um it reminded me it's of a tradition and it, this may be coming from the D tradition which is D does have a hell and uh, i think it's called like the nine hells and there's like different levels but one of the things that characterizes it is that it is rule-based and, and in some ways, I think, like, Christian depictions of hell is kind of rule-based as well, or at least, like, very old, like, sort of like the, um, like, the, the, the Dante's, like, purgatory and, and, like, purgatory and inferno, like, there's layers to hell. Right, and there's yeah, levels. there's a whole, think, a whole like, uh, classification higher, system, right. and, and you're, right. uh, sometimes your uh, punishment will match your sins in life. Right, but there's a hierarchy to it, there's a system to it, right, and, like, that... That almost like in itself almost feels very like it, it. It's what you're describing. It kind of flies in the face of like what you when you say hell, you think of like chaos and pain and like kind of the, like nothing beyond that. Right. But but all of the writings about like any kind of hell or in D&D, the nine hells, 
it's a very regiment and that's a defining characteristic. It's very regimented. It's, it's almost bureaucratic and they kind of like lean into that pretty heavily in this episode. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, that, the, 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 the demon in the boat tells Finn and Jake, we have systems down here in the right. nitosphere. And that, right. that reminds me of a, of a thing I want to bring up in a minute, but I want to go back to hell jail because mm-hmm. it, it occurred to me like, why do you need to be in jail if you're in hell? Right. Right, you know, like what's why the extra hell, punishment here? Right, why yeah. does hell have a jail? Like you're at the mercy of whoever is, whomever is running hell. So it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like, it, unless you know, maybe maybe it matches your sins or it's particularly torturous for you to be locked up. But that doesn't seem to be the case with Finn and Jake and all of these demons who are in prison. Uh, yeah. And in fact, they don't remain in in prison or jail for long. Right. Uh, the jail. The jailer. And I really hope in this case the jailer is spelled my favorite way that jailer can be spelled, which is like G A A O. Yeah, yeah. The Gowler. Um, I hope the Gowler. Anyway, the Gowler had um, his shift was up, and he's like, "No one's here to replace me, so everybody's free." And and they and Finn and Jake are kind of questioning, like, "Really? This is jail?" And and then he kind of answers their question, and we're like, "Yeah, but it's the nitosphere, so like." What's the difference, basically? <laughs> like, right. Um, I can tell you that the 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 CO ending his shift and just letting everybody out because no one is there, uh, that's not what would happen. The CO no. might leave, uh, but those right. folks would certainly remain in their cells. Although, when all of the, the doors to the cells opened, it reminded me of the fact that our jail here in St. Louis, uh, many of the locks on the cell doors just don't work. And so... <laughs> It's sort keep, of a sort of an honor system then. Yeah, and we keep hearing about, you know, oh these these sons of bitches, evil murderers got out of their cells and we didn't lock the fucking cell. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean you know, I, I feel a certain way about jail, but it seems to me that if you're gonna run even a mildly competent jail, like the locks, locks are, are like definitional, right? They're they're right. they're essential. To a jail. If, if the doors don't element. lock, it's some other kind of institution. Right. That's a core element of jail. Yeah. Uh, so it's they uh, the boys are let out of jail. Uh, Jake is very interested in what's the deal with the bananas in their cell. And the jailer gives them no real clues other than kind of goes like, yeah, I don't know what that's about. Uh, and then kind of goes, oh, you're touching them. And enigmatically you know like it's just like a, such a fun little like what um right right can- you're you're confronted with bananas but mm-hmm. it, but and it's it's curious how they got there or why they're there right. but the only reaction that they get from anybody in the nidosphere is to look at them and go gross right it's the one thing that is uh that is normal and to you like it, the, the one thing that like right. you can recognize as an item that from your world and to all the the residents of the nightosphere, they can't, they don't answer your question other than to say that it's gross for touching them. Um, I get the sense in this though, that the nightosphere is not the, uh, at least I don't think that it, they don't set this up as like, this is the place that bad souls go when they die. I think yeah. this is more like, this is just a different realm where different creatures like demons come from, but it's not like, Oh, this is what happens when you die. Yeah, I don't think it. I also don't think it's punishment hell. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I Hunts and Abadir steals souls, so I wonder if he's populating the Nidosphere with the souls that he steals, uh, or if those demons are, you know, just the the endemic population of the Nidosphere. Right. Right. It's just a. It's just a. It's an alternate reality or an alternate plane of existence where other creatures live, and it's not. It's not really necessarily tied to the existence on Ooh, except that it's you can travel between them via portal. So the boys get out of jail, though at least because they, they need the, but the story needs to move forward, of course. Um, and I will say I really enjoy it's it, you know it's a classic. Adventure Time does this in every episode essentially, where the plot needs to move forward and everyone knows it, and so it just does. Right? Like, there's no they don't like. They don't justify it. It's just like, well, we need to get out of this jail cell. And so it's like, okay, time to get out. Like, yeah, they don't- it's like we don't have time to to show you this guard being pissed off that his replacement isn't here. We're just going to tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. 
it's a really funny gag that keep that they keep going back to and it just becomes um sort of core to the show's uh feel yeah i i think it kind of matches the larger feel of the show you know of of being on a quest and sort of being moving even when you're not trying to or don't want to be moving like Mm -hmm. you you get out into the world and all of a sudden the world is is moving you along uh at at its pace and i think that yeah this happens to finn and jake all the time it's like well the story's getting stale in the jail so Mm -hmm. oh now the door's open yeah it's um in any quest book or movie or game i think like travel between locations is like the dullest part that can happen or like if you're playing a video game and it's like well i've got to go now to like (laughs) i've got to go you know to the whatever village in zelda i gotta ride my horse over there across herulean plains or whatever right like the riding part is like rather boring and it's just like can i just get there uh, you know, Indiana Jones does it with the, uh, the dotted, the dots yes. on the map, like, right. and stuff like it's all of that. It's, it's, it's that tradition of like, just get me to the cool parts basically. Right. <laughs> right. And, and Finn and Jake don't even have to fast travel in video right. games. What you would do is fast travel, but you, sometimes you have to earn that. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. it would be, yeah. I don't know. Do you think that it's more like real life that we decide what's going on in our lives or that someone else something someone the universe does uh did you just ask me if i feel like i have agency in this world or if it's if i'm being moved by the hand of some larger entity or force sure like let's not get into free will like let's Uh assume you have free will but like your environment are you shaping it or is it being shaped uh oh i think i i i don't think it's universally one or the other for sure um but I think it's I, I think there's too many other people in this world for me to assume that, like, I'm the one doing the shaping. I think there's like too much fluctuation happening at any one moment for, for me to suss out what what part I'm affecting and what part I'm being affected by. Do you so think I there's some co- force in the universe who's just fucking with everybody? Um, I think that there is not a a sentient singular force doing so. I think that the collective force of everybody doing shit is, (laughs) is a force unto itself, basically like the uh, butterfly force. It is the butterfly effect. I think that the butterfly effect is, is a, is a real, is a real thing and can get magnified and weird stuff happens because of it. So a, a demon butterfly flapped its wings and Finn and Jake's jail door popped open. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, and, they're in the part of the D&D quest, they're in the part of the game where they're still like, what do we do? What We got to figure out why we're here. We got to gather information. So they're in this gathering information part of their quest. Like they don't even know what they don't know at this point. And so they need information and they talk to the jailer who is, you know, kind enough to have a, a little bit of a conversation with him, with them. And he right, and yeah. They, the the demons are are certainly not like you know hellfire demons that are mm-hmm. only interested in in harming or torturing people. They seem mm-hmm. just kind of like ro- regular folks walking around in the old. Just trying to live their lives. Yeah, yep, just trying to live their lives. Uh, and they so Finn and Jake say like, "Why am I here? What do I?" And then they see a statue. They see the statue of Marceline's dad, who was established in the previous episode as the ruler of the Nightosphere, and. They say, oh, we need to talk to him. He'll know. Like, we know that guy, basically. <laughs> we need to talk right. to him. And and the jailer's like, it's like you just, the jailer's basically saying, like, you just, like, asked, you just said, like, oh, we got to go talk to the president. Right. <laughs> and it's like, you don't just go talk to the president. You got to, there's some protocols in place. And so he says, you're going to have to, uh, you, you're not going to just talk to them. And and then he flies off. He doesn't give them much information beyond like, no, that's that's never going to work. He just yeah, man, he's this. off the clock. He's like, the yeah. only reason I'm here is is nitosphere capitalism. I don't care. Right. I'm leaving. So, right. So he uh, he flies off, and they they head out head out into the the nitosphere outside of the jail. They 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 use Jake's powers to get out of the jail, basically. And it is and not a boring place. No, it is. It is a Salvador Dali of a world painting of a world. It is, uh, all kinds of chaotic stuff happening. And they just, they spend a good moment just panning 
around looking at what's going on. And it's just creatures and monsters and all kinds of crazy crap happening. Laser beams, fireballs. All, yeah, exactly. But they're unfazed, which is hilarious. Like, they just kind of take it in as if, okay, here this, here, we're in this world now. And they they are unflappable in their plan. They're like, well, okay, we got to go talk to Marceline's dad. How do we do that? Mm, let's ask the first creature we see, which is a giant sort of uh, bipedal mouth walking by. And they uh, they just go ahead and talk to him. And he's actually pretty cool. I wonder... I wonder if there are racial dynamics in, in the nidosphere because I, I think sometimes uh, white guys are more able to ask for help or directions. One, because we aren't constantly being asked to prove ourselves. And two, because we would not be endangering ourselves necessarily by going up to a stranger. And so when, when, when Finn and Jake just sort of ask the next person walking by, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, Finn, the white guy, thinks he can just ask anybody for help. But it's like there's no indication, I guess, that that there's any sort of social dynamic like that. Everybody just seems to talk to everybody else and then seems like Hudson is in charge. And that's about the only kind of – well, Hudson is in charge, but it's also completely chaotic. Right. I also think you raise a you raise a good point, but I also think like Finn and Jake are pretty full of themselves. Like I don't think Finn and Jake think of themselves as in danger in right. any in any real scenario. Like they feel like they are capable of getting themselves of cells out of any danger they might find themselves in. So I think that also lends it to lends themselves to like yeah, let's go talk to this monster. If yeah. it's not cool to us, we'll kill it. Like it's sort of like a right a bravado. Yeah. Fear is not really an emotion that Adventure Time explores. Right. So they talk to this giant mouth monster, and the mouth monster is very helpful. The mouth, the mouth monster says, "Oh no, you can't go talk to um, Marceline's dad right away, but uh, you know who can help you is the Teller. I think is that the Teller. Yep. yep. Yeah, the Teller, which is you know one of those enigmatic terms." Uh, referring to some sort of entity and they say, you know, let's, you go talk to the teller. The teller will explain how you can meet with a huntsman. And so they do. So, they, and he says, I'll get, I'll even give you a ride to the teller. And they're yeah, like, this Great. is, this is real evidence. I think that the nidosphere is not hell because right. yeah, that, that half mouth creature was uh, very helpful. Right. Uh, and true to its word, uh, they drops him off, uh, where they can find the teller. And this is where we see one of the first, one of the next examples of how the dichotomy of the nidosphere, which is chaos, except it has a ton of rules and it has like a bureaucracy to it because the next thing they encounter is the line of people of people's the wrong word, the line of creatures waiting to see the teller. And it is deep. It is, it's, you know, hellishly long. Those right. one of those like infinite lines that you can think of. Uh, like, oh, you'll never get out of this line. You'll die here. Um, it's so deep. In fact, it's so dense that there's someone rowing through it as if it's like a sea, as if it's a river. It's very river sticks, uh, Stixian kind of uh, vibe that they see that they, they get like the the boatsman rowing through this sea of creatures. Right. The um, the the line is in. A trough, really, uh, right, that looks right. kind of like a canal, and right. the 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 floor where you enter and the floor where the teller are is is even with the top of that trough, and then yeah. everybody jumps down in and yeah, uh, the 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 demons who all look the same this time. I wonder if that's mm-hmm. just a animation time saving kind of thing. <laughs> sure. uh, they are packed so tightly, yeah, that the the uh, other demon is able to sort of paddle himself on top of their heads, uh, kind of crowd paddling i guess right yeah and, and finn I, and jake just jump right down in there i i don't honestly i don't think that i would have done that i would have said fuck it i'm not talking to hunson there's no way that i can survive more than 10 seconds like i would be in i would be going bop 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 the whole time because i would be so uncomfortable and claustrophobic it's uh it's a it's a wonderful gag because it goes against the Adventure Time aesthetic of like take action, right? Like because you know it's they they aggressively wait in line. Like yeah. that is the gag. 
they are there and they they're like we are gonna do this we are gonna wait in this line we're gonna and wait like, so hard yeah emphasis on wait and and then they do a uh, a bit of a montage and we we get the sort of passage of time cards of like four days later eight days later and you see them going insane and not dying thankfully and then they sort of crest they get like they get like a second wind around day 18 they're kind of like back to sanity um and and then the end of the gag is hilarious this is one of my favorite gags which is like you're in an endless line and then they go 13 days later or something like that and then they're like oh oh we're we're here the front of the line we did it (laughs) Like, it was not an insurmountable test. We just had to wait 13 days. And they just sort of climb out of the trough and go talk to the guy. Right. And he says, and in another, uh, in our next bureaucratic step um, in this, you know, hellish DMV style uh, scene that they've created for us, he gives him a number and says, all right, wait for your turn. Now Now your number will be called. And their number is 42 million, which is, of course, you know, hilarious. It's It's like... You know, it reminds me, I think there's a Beetlejuice gag similar to that when they go into hell and they have to, they get, they have to, I think Beetlejuice has to take a number while he's waiting to be seen or something like that. Right. And uh, it's very, uh, it's very reminiscent of that. The number but, is th- functionally infinity. Right. And, but thankfully, uh, the, the currently serving is 41,999,999. Jake can't say the number, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> uh, he also can't say bananas throughout the episode. He calls them <laughs> a bunch of, he, he also calls, he calls them a bunch of things other than bananas. It's like blamblas and things like that. <laughs> uh, have you seen the, uh, have you seen the clips online of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and his inability to say the word penguins? Yes, I have. Yeah, it's that, it's very similar. It's very similar. Right. Yeah, he can't right. Say, he can't say penguins. Jake can't say bananas. There's some um, some neurons that are not firing mm-hmm. or are not connected to each other in the right way. Yeah. So they fortunately, so even though their number is forty two million, it's only one more to be served, and Bing, their number comes up again. Plot moves forward. <laughs> And they get to go through the gate that the teller uh, allows them to go through to stand in another line. And at this point, uh, the gag, they, they, now they're doing the same gag over again, uh, which is funny. It's, but they know that they can't milk it for the same amount of time. So they yeah. make it shorter. This is, a, this is a hell-like occurrence, I think, where, you know, oh, God, I have to wait in line eternally. And then you get out of the line. They're like, congratulations, you're out of the line. Go stand in that line, fool. Right, right, exactly. You've earned the right to stand in the second line. But because it's a TV show, they know that they can't milk the gag for the same amount of time again. They uh, they introduce a new dev- a new twist, which is the a floating sentient cloud of blood mist right. hovers over the second line and starts talking to everybody in line. Uh, first ask if anyone has to go to the bathroom and one person does and that person gets to go to the front of the line <laughs> to go to the bathroom um, but then sometimes ask, sometimes yeah. people ask for volunteers and and you just don't know how good volunteering is gonna be you know right it, right that that person just happened to have to go to the bathroom and now they're at the front of the line Right. I mean, like, sometimes you just got to ask for what you want. Yeah. And... Raise your hand. Even if it's sentient blood mist. If they ask you if you want to do something, <laughs> raise that hand. Mm-hmm. Roll the dice. <laughs> they ask a second time. The blood mist does. They ask for, okay, now that we've gotten all the potty breaks out of the way, uh, who who's here to see uh, Huntsman? Who's here to see the president of the Nidosphere? And essentially everyone in line raises their hand. And... Finn is raising point, his the, hand really hard. Right. Finn is like, oh, great. This, so, finally, finally, someone I can speak to about this problem I have. Um, this blood mist but, seems kind of like a manager. Right. I'd like to speak to your manager, blood mist. Well, the blood mist uh, starts vaporizing everybody who's raising their hands. Jake sees the, Jake sees the problem quickly and, and, and fortunately knocks Finn out of the way. Finn is, not, Finn is stubborn. Finn is like, no, I'm going to raise my hand because... This blood mist asked me if I wanted to see Huntsman, and I do. And and it's the only thing that he can actually do, I think. Right, Instead right, that's of, true. He would just be standing there if he weren't raising his hand. Mm-hmm. But they get out of the way of the vaporizing laser rays that the blood mist is firing, and they hide behind a rock, and they regroup, 
and they notice that the mist has vaporized literally everybody else in line. That's convenient. Yep, but then it flies off into the side of a mountain, and they decide, you know what? Blood mist seems to be the only only creature that we've seen that has some knowledge of where Huntsman is, so we're going to follow it. We're going to we're going to track this thing. So they use Jake's powers again to sort of whisk themselves whisk themselves up the side of the mountain and into a cave where the blood mist entered, and they realize that as they get there that they are in Huntsman's house or yeah. some sort of home. And and they realize that the blood mist is or seems to be Huntsman himself because the mist sort of vaporizes or dissipates and then left standing there is the form of Huntsman. Yeah. So they, uh, <laughs> they, they show up and yeah. And so then we meet um, Marceline's dad and we, we know him from uh, I think a season one episode where he was stealing souls and they had to defeat him. Um and and then we get kind of a a cliffhanger because Finn and Jake have spent the whole episode trying to figure out what's going on, but we really don't learn anything in the episode. Yeah, it's just uh, oh man, we we don't know what's happening. But they do. I think before the episode ends, they get the, is the cliffhanger. The cliffhanger they see Marceline. They, right. They they battle Huntsman. They they want to get out, and right. Huntsman's like, no, nobody leaves. Nobody gets to leave the Nightosphere. But Finn and Jake don't take no for an answer. They find a portal somewhere in Huntsman's house, and and he he fights them through the portal. He's he's chasing them through the portal, and they fight back and they cut him open. They get they, they right. deal him a they deal him a pretty devastating blow, and that's where it's revealed. It's not Huntsman. Huntsman. I keep saying Huntsman. It's not Huntsman. It is Marceline. They they cut open this what is essentially a carapace and all of a sudden Marceline comes like, like almost like she's been drowning inside of this thing comes bursting out. Yeah. And she, and she's sentient for a moment. And she says, Finn and Jake get out of here. Don't come back. And she pushes them through the portal back into their realm. And then she closes the portal behind them. So they, she can't, they can't get back. Right. Right. And so, that's our cliffhanger. Yeah. So Marceline is, is more or less just behaving like Hunson, at least in his, enormous soul stealing form right. and yeah and then uh finn and jake leave the nidosphere but obviously when they see marceline who she doesn't really act like she's in trouble i don't think but obviously something's going on if she's the giant soul stealer and so they right. they know that they got to get back there right it's a really good cliffhanger it's a really well written cliffhanger because it solves their what they thought was their problem and they thought their problem was we've got to get out of the nidosphere right but but by solving their first problem, they realize there's a much larger problem. And that is, why is Marceline in the Nightosphere? And why is she inside this shell of her dad, basically? Yeah. Uh, and so it's a really good cliffhanger. It's a really good, like, it's, again, I can't say enough. Like, this is this feels like such a little D&D adventure or, like, you know, pulp pulp comic kind of adventure. It's It's really... This is uh this is this is the most adventury adventure time has been in a long in a, yeah in a, so I I can episodes. imagine I can imagine Finn and Jake like you know concentrating on their character sheets while they're back in the treehouse right. and exactly. leveling up. Like, what do we have to do? Oh, like right, like you've made it out of the nightosphere, so you level up, and now you have new you have access to new things. Right, uh, but but like just you like, visited how are Fantasy gonna, Costco. Exactly. How are we going to? How are we going to solve this new much larger problem? But that is saved for episode two, which we can jump right into. Yeah. Um, but it is that is where we return is we, we we come back after the cliffhanger. And now they're now they have to deal with their new problem. And the new problem is how do we get back to the nightosphere? We first wanted to leave. Now we got to get back because we've got to solve You know, Finn is like, clearly something's wrong. Marceline wouldn't act like that. She's our friend. Right. So we need to go help her. Something's going on. But now that they're back in the real world. They have access to new information, and that is Jake's camera phone, because now they can charge the thing, and they can see all the footage that Jake took. Oh, we're going to fill in some some details, fill in some holes. Little exposition holes are filled in, and we basically learn that the previous evening, essentially, uh, Marceline Marceline shows up 
via portal in their treehouse and invites them to the nidosphere and says, hey, I'm here in the nidosphere visiting my dad. Do you want to come party in the nidosphere? Yeah, you all should come along and chill with me and just hang out. And of course, they want to do that. That sounds like a, a fun rad time. And they do. And then more footage. Is, you see, Jake Jake is a prolific camera person. He's yeah, filming it, a lot. The, I think it's a new camera phone, probably. You know, you're in kind yeah. of a honeymoon period where everything seems uh, recording worthy. Right, exactly. So thankfully, though, thankfully he does. Because and if I had my phone in hell, I'd take video. Yeah, for real. You just have that rolling. Bring your GoPro with you. Um, and then use it to blackmail Satan. <laughs> Big plans. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think Satan would res- respect that. That sounds like a move he would be like, "All right, yeah. Game recognizes game." The but the rest of the exposition we learn is that uh they're cool. They're they're hanging out, jamming out with their music, playing songs. Marceline's dad is there and is kind of being dad like is just being a dad basically is being kind of an overbearing father like oh like let me talk to you about your future marceline let's talk about like what your plans you have in life or like what are you going to do for a job and marceline's like don't bother me dad and and he's like you should run like i want i'm grooming you to be the new leader of the nidosphere you should rule here and she's like i don't want to do that and she sings a pretty cool song about it it's just really good song yeah he keeps saying that he wants her to take over the family business yeah, yeah, it's and the that's, classic. That's what he that's what he wants for his daughter. I need to go back just for a moment to when Finn and Jake first encounter Hansen. He's he's sort of he's they're threatened by him, obviously, right. based on you know what he's done in the past. And mm-hmm. he's when, a mega vampire, which yeah, it would scare most people. When Hansen kind of threatens Finn, and Finn responds by pointing at him and shaking the tambourine between his legs. That was the hardest I laughed the entire episode. <laughs> and then they cut back. Uh, they're watching it on the phone and Jake goes, <laughs> nice one. <laughs> like a little rattlesnake or something. Uh, I've forgotten about that. It was delightful. Um well, yeah, and I don't want to – we don't have to rehash every moment of the plot. But what we learn is that uh, Marceline – is resistant to her dad's overtures to take over the family business, which is ruling the nidosphere. But their dad, the dad kind of seems to acquiesce. The dad seems to kind of play it like cool. Uh, Hudson kind of goes, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. You know, fine. You know, you're, you're your own woman who has her own wants and desires. So I'm just going to go make a sandwich. I'm going to go kind of chill at my house here. Take this, take this amulet while I'm gone. Uh, and make some wishes, you know, just, uh, you know, like it'll grant you some magic powers and just, uh, just put it on, you know, all cool. Like, and he real, walks yeah, off, just, you know, nothing special, real casual, this real casual magic amulet that you should wear and no reason. And she, she does, he walks off, she puts it on. It instantly curses her. It instantly takes over her body and it turns her into the form that we saw at the very end of the last episode, which is looking identical to Hunson. And ruling with the same kind of you know, be turning her into essentially what Hunson is as a yeah. super chaotic evil monster. I actually really like that Marceline's version of the monster is subtly different from Hunson's. Hunson is wearing like a a, a men's suit and and mm. Marceline is wearing like more feminine clothing if you look at it closely. I thought that okay. that was like a really um interesting uh an- animation choice. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like something you could have picked up on in the previous episode if you'd been watching closely, perhaps. Yeah. I thought Marceline transforming into the soul sucker was really scary. And if oh, I yeah. were little, I think, like, I, I was like, man, would a would a little kid be okay with that? It was really frightening when she puts that thing on and all of a sudden turns into a giant monster. I agree. I think it's a big, it was really well animated. Uh, it was effective. But I also think like, again, I think we've kind of pegged this as like targeted at like 10 to 13 year olds, roughly, maybe. And it's probably not the weirdest shit that they're watching, basically. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're prepared for that, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I have a a particular fear of things uh, like the Borg terrifies me where like your body is taken over, but your mind is gone. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And so, like the this thing in particular with Marceline transforming and suddenly wanting to gobble souls is terrifying to me. Being assimilated into the Borg and like not knowing who I am is is mm-hmm. really terrifying. So there's something about like having my mind either sort of erased or controlled that I find very scary. Very, very reasonably so, I would <laughs> say. Um, but now at least we know the full backstory. I think Finn and Jake even say as much like, okay, at least we now know what's going on. Right. Now we can, now that we know the problem, we can spend time solving the problem. And they decide, well, they need to get back to the nightosphere first, first and foremost. Thankfully, Finn knows portal magic. He used that in the first time we saw the nightosphere. Um, okay. As I recall, he like, he drew. He he wasn't supposed to be doing it, and he like drew the the face on the wall as kind of a joke, and then he like said the words. Uh, he said like you know I'm supposed to say, uh, and then the portal opened up. But yeah, it's a really uh, obviously a convenient way for them to go back and forth now that Finn just knows how to do it. Right. So they get back via portal, and they know that they need to find. Uh, they need they need to find Marceline before they get back though. They transform themselves because Marceline told them not to go back to the nightosphere, so they try to look like demons. Jake does a great job. Jake's powers right. in this episode are are very uh, powerful. He can, he can stretch, yeah. and you know it, he turns into a hang glider. Like he's he's it's kind of like a Jake plot gun. Um, so so Jake looks really good uh, as as a demon. He has rows of very sharp teeth, and his voice is changed. Uh, but Finn has to try to look like a demon as well. Uh, so he puts on his PJs and right. a, and a paper plate mask. Yeah. He goes full where the wild things are. That basically. was exactly my thought was Finn looks like he's going to where the wild things are. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's a solid move. The, the monsters in that book accepted, uh, accepted him for, or accepted the main character. I can't remember the main character and where the wild things are now. Max. Max. I think. You're definitely right. It's Max. Uh, they accepted Max uh, with his monster PJs. And uh, Finn's like, yeah, let's do that. Monster PJ time and a paper plate mask. Who could who could ask for a better disguise? Did you ever have a favorite? Did you have a favorite um, Halloween costume? Speaking of awesome costumes, what's uh, your favorite Halloween costume you've ever wore? Hmm. Well, so uh, I'm going to like sort of count out college um, because... I enjoyed wearing those because I was getting really drunk. Um, sure. <laughs> but if I think about like a, a Halloween costume, you know, for trick-or-treating, you know, my mom really enjoyed like making costumes. And so I would frequently have um, pretty elaborate costumes. It, now I remember, actually, I think there there are two costumes, I think, that are like sort of very important to to me and my life and my identity. And one is this lion costume that my mom made for me. Uh, which uh-huh. I would just go back and put on sometimes. Uh, it was more or less just like a sort of shaggy fabric cut so that it would go and my face would stick out. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I would put the lion suit on, but the real uh, the real costume is the tiger suit. And this is when I was very small. I'm sure you've seen pictures of the tiger suit because I wore it when, when we were very small, like it, toddlers oh, yeah. or lower. And, oh, yeah. But I well, loved, I, I know I loved the tiger hoot. The tiger what? The tiger hoot. Uh, the tiger hoot. That's adorable. That's evidently uh, what I called it. Sure. I mean, that's close. Um, tiger hoot. That's so cute. I did remember seeing pictures of that. You looked like Tigger. Yeah, um, and you were in a pumpkin, as I recall. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very, I was very pumpkin-shaped. I still am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're six months younger than me, and so I look like I'm... A year old, let's say, and you're still right. in like the helpless baby. Mom uh-huh. put me inside of a pumpkin, and now I can't do anything. Face. Yeah, but I was fairly content. I think I don't. Think oh yeah, I you was don't like, look uh, unhappy. Right. <laughs> I'm a pumpkin now, I guess. <laughs> um, my favorite costume I ever wore was. Well, I have two again. I think I have two that I are memorable. One, I was a Lego one year, which I was think I remember classic, that just like cart, you know hands through wear a cardboard box essentially and like glue styrofoam circles to the front to make it look like the studs on a Lego brick. Right. Uh, Memorable because 
impossible to sit down in it in a desk at like in a in a school desk. Oh, you were like, to the, Yeah, to like the so because you did like the school parade right. inside and like you walked around, but like if you sit de- like those desks where like the desk and the chair are attached to each other, right? And you sit down and like the whole box just sort of like lifts up in front of like <laughs> like so I have like I'm just inside the box now because it can't sit down into the space that provided by the little chair hole. See, I was uh, imagining so- you flailing around on your back after you got turned over somehow like a turtle. <laughs> Uh, no, equally helpless, but for a different reason. Completely blind, just sitting, sitting at my desk, listening to whatever the teacher is saying, but not being able to see a thing. Um, wait, wait. The teacher allowed you to just go through the school day with your face in a Lego? Well, for like the portion that we wore the costume, which was not <laughs> a very long portion. I think it was like, hey, everybody put your costume on. We're going to do the little school parade in 20 minutes. Uh, and so while I'm waiting for everyone else gotcha. to put their costume on, I'm just sitting in the darkness. I remember there costume. being all day costumes, but I, I suppose a, a Lego isn't conducive to being an all day costume. So you right. were, you were sensible and correct. I think to take it off. The, uh, the other costume that I w- was incredibly elaborate was I was an astronaut one year and it involved a heavy amount of work from my dad who like brought home, he brought home like, um, like a hazmat suit, but not hazmat because he didn't have access to those. But he had like, but like, because he worked in the hospital, like the the suits that like the people who would like clean up the OR. Coveralls. Yeah, but it was like the zip up, like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're cleaning up after a murder kind of suits, kind of those things. So uh, one of those. And then, and my dad was super into space, is super into space. Your dad would build a functioning space suit if he could. Right. I mean, it there was like a plastic, he did like a, a plaster of Paris paper mache. I think, I think he used like uh, cast material because he's a, a orthopedist. Uh, so I think he made a helmet out of cast material. Like I think it was like classic blow up a balloon and wrap it uh, with whatever. We'll call it paper mache, but it was, it was more, it was like fiberglass cast material. And then like he put in a visor. It was dope. It looked real. Yeah. And then like I had I had like the pack on the back with like the hoses attached to it. I was a, I was a friggin' astronaut. It was That's amazing. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Anywho, Finn and Jake going to the Nightosphere in their costumes, back in uh back in action, and they just know now they're now they're on a path of pure action. Now they just need to now they know They have an objective. Marceline, get the get the amulet off of her somehow and save her. Uh so they make it back. They they make it to her, but I, I'm sure there's some sort of complication along the way. So, yeah, they, they, they show up and she is sort of sitting at the head of a line, doling out pain, pleasure, or weird punishment to various demons. Right. Uh, and right. then they try to cut the line and get scolded by a demon. And then rules at some rules, point... Man. Right, right. The, the, the Nidosphere has systems. The Nidosphere ain't numb. It's got rules. <laughs> and then... Uh, Marceline injects some chaos into the Nidosphere by sort of grabbing them and pulling them to her. Oh, and I think probably worth mentioning, they learn in Jake's videos that the, what the amulet does is it imbues the wearer with chaos magic. Uh, and so that is what is powering her and like taking over her mind. They call it so chaotic she, evil, actually, which I thought was, e- was very D&D, right? Oh, yeah, that's that's classic. It's it's right. up. It's they're just stealing right from it. Do you know your um, alignment? My own alignment is uh, I'm definitely lawful. So there's two spectrums, right? There's law. There's one axis, which is law and chaos. So it's like, do you believe in uh, some sort of order or do you believe like it's sort of like man's law and then chaos on the other spectrum would be like just the rule of nature chaos and then right. good versus and good versus evil, which is more like given a choice, like, would you do something more selfish or more altruistic. It's right. Kind of like or or would you, would you intentionally harm people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm certainly lawful. I am too much of a firstborn child to not love rules. Um, I'm probably lawful good as a person. Yeah. I like, I like playing D and D characters more in like a, uh, a lawful chaotic good space though. Interesting. I like playing I'm, characters that are a little more selfish than I am. Really, it's that's the fantasy to like 
allow myself to be more selfish than I usually am. Right. Get out there and get what you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm chaotic good for sure. Because <laughs> That's fair. Cause yeah, fuck I believe the that. law, but I want to help everyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. I get it. Um... So Marceline is is more or less yeah. being controlled at this point by chaotic evil itself. Exactly. And she pulls them in and that that in, initiates essentially a battle, right? Right. I think. And they start fighting her. Um it feels winnable. I mean like they beat her before. They cut her open before. They know right. that that's what they need to do. Um they do. They end up um they end up getting the getting her out. They kind of cut her open and pull her body out. They don't get the now they pull the and necklace off. The second time they pull the necklace off of her. Oh, okay. Got it. They get the necklace off of her. Because, oh, right. Because that, what that leads to is um, she's kind of uh, unconscious. She's a little bit like out of right. it from being under it. So, and they see that there's, they get, they see that there's a portal out of there uh, conveniently. And at this point, it allows Finn to do his very favorite thing to do, which is uh, sacrifice himself for the greater good. And, he sees that the necklace is on the ground and the, and that there's a bunch of demons around and her dad is coming. And so they need to buy some time. And so somebody Finn, needs to be able to stand up to Hudson. Right. Finn needs, someone needs to stand up to him. So Finn says, I'll, he doesn't say it, but he just goes, Jake, get her out of here. And Jake uses his powers to get them, get Marceline through the portal and it's Finn like a classic moment, right? Like, oh, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you guys go, I'm staying here and getting mm-hmm. buff. Yeah. I'll buy you some time, right? Right? Like the classic, uh, get I'm, out of I'm here, gonna, damn it. I'm, I'm, I'm no good to you here. Myself. Right. It's, uh, it's every, it's every heroic move ever. And he does, and he puts on the necklace and he turns into the chaos monster, his own version of it. Right. You know, slightly differently drawn, but similar. And, and it works. He gets the powers he needs to fight off Hunson. And Hunson, I think, in that moment, it's a, there's an interesting moment right at the end of that fight. Like, Hunson actually goes and rips the necklace off of Finn. Like, he sees Finn right. wearing it. And I think Hunson realizes, maybe, maybe not, like, he's not, he's, I don't think he's concerned for Finn, but I think he's like, no, he's not the rightful ruler of the night right. sphere. So I've got to. I'm gonna get that back. This. I'm gonna get that back. I, yeah. So he goes and rips the necklace off of Finn, which he, then Finn stops being a chaos monster, and it kind of like the explosion of the or like the release of that power shoots him back through the portal. So he gets out as well, and they all escape. Uh, Finn, Marceline, Jake, all escape. And they're back in the treehouse and they're all kind of breathing heavy. And Marceline's kind of coming back and, and is, you know, everyone's like, Ooh, that was crazy basically. (laughs) Uh, And then Marceline drops such a heavy line to end the whole episode uh, and says, Oh man, like, I mean, kind of, she kind of says like, thanks, but then it's like, man, that was weird. And woo, like, I think my dad actually kind of likes you, Finn. So I don't want to hang out with you anymore. Right. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. So I was, I've wa- I actually rewatched that line to make sure I had heard it right. I was yeah. like, what did she say? And yeah. it's such a heavy line. Like, and it's such a Marceline move. Marceline like, has daddy issues. Yeah. She is, uh, like the, 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 the paradigmatic example of daddy right, issues. Right. And, it's such a sad, it's such a heavy line. And, you know, Finn turns and almost does like a fourth wall break and like looks directly at the camera in his like completely exhausted state after having just nearly sacrificed his entire being to right. save her. And she goes, nah, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. Cause my it looks dad like likes Finn you. is too exhausted to even understand what she's saying. Right. Um, what a line though. What a, what an arc, what a story. Congrats to the, I mean, it was a, just such a, satisfying two episode little arc. Right. And it, and it, and it, it was the first couple up. It was the first two episodes of this season that felt like they are like it built, built anything new. Yeah. Like I think the first four episodes felt like it was just resting on what had already been built in the world. And like, we're just, you know, it's just like fun times with Finn and Jake, but this is the first sort of like 
something has been expanded here. Yeah. Like something has been built and now we can like move forward from this point. And, and I know that it, I won't expect it to like, it won't be like every episode won't be linear, linear following off of these two, but um, it was a nice little like, Ooh, okay. Yeah. Now we've I, got, I think we've, now we've got something bigger. Right. They, they maybe have actually learned like lasting lessons, right? Like this is an mm-hmm. experience that they, uh, as cartoon characters, will be able to look back on and use mm-hmm. to make decisions in the future. These are um, not, these are I want to go quests. back real quick. Yeah. I, I know that, that we're getting long, but I, I want to talk about why Marceline says, oh, I think my dad likes you. Because towards the end of the episode, uh, Hudson really stops being chaotic. Once Marceline is out of the, the chaos monster, um, he, he talks to her. Right. And there's there's one line that he says that I thought was I think it explains everything. Marceline says, "I don't want to rule the nidosphere or something like that." And he looks at her and he goes, "But it's what I've always wanted." Right. It's what I have always wanted, right. and he says it as though she's supposed to care about that. Right. And and you know, th- there's a phenomenon known as like narcissistic parents. Mm-hmm. And they can really do a number on their kids. And and so you can just see how Marceline's dad operates with himself in the front of his mind at all times. Everyone else is just a tool that he can use to make himself feel better. Right. Including his daughter. You know, the, his daughter is, is an extension of himself. And so, of course, she's going to rule the nidosphere. That's what I want her to do. And then Marceline grows up with all kinds of issues. She has to, you know, sing songs about how she wants to see her dad, but she doesn't want to rule the nidosphere. And mm-hmm. so she has to navigate that that whole situation. You're right. It's a it's a uh, crystallizing moment for their relationship and for uh, Hudson as a character. You're very, very right. And it's 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 core to the episode. I can't believe we skipped it. Um, it's 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 the whole moral climax of the whole thing. Um, but I'm interested to, I mean, I'm excited for the, the rest of the season. I mean, I, I know from experience now that I shouldn't expect the rest of the episodes to be all about Marceline, but I have a feeling this is impactful enough that it will come up again. And especially this idea of like, well, wait, Marceline's gone. She's not going to hang out with Finn anymore. Like, what's that going to do? Like, that's going to impact mm-hmm. him in, in really meaningful ways because he has a very strong relationship with her. He's, she's important to him. You're right. I, I think this episode does uh, feel like one that will have lasting consequences. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I felt like I was watching a little, uh, you know, serial comic kind of adventure. And it was it was really enjoyable to watch these two. So uh, very, 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 very fun times. So uh, in, in, in my ranking of episodes I've watched over the last four seasons, these are right up there near the top. These are great. Yeah, very, very good. Um, and I, I, I appreciate the, um, the sort of emotional uh, conclusion that they come to. It's not so much a conclusion, I guess, because Hudson doesn't learn anything, I don't think. But Marceline, at least, is able to kind of work through some of her daddy issues in front of us. And yeah, I think, yeah, that'll be something, you know, Marceline, spoiler alert, Marceline doesn't go away forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we continue, you know, her character is more or less defined by uh, her issues with her dad. Uh, that one line to me just explained literally everything about Marceline. You're exactly right. Well, I'm excited to watch two more episodes before our, before we talk next time. But we should wrap up here since we've uh, we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we have. But we like to do that here on Podventure Time. Uh what if people want to cover ground with us on the internet? They should do that. They should. You should feel welcome to do so. Uh, we've uh, we will afford you many opportunities to do so. You have many internet entry points to our world. Number one being, you can email us at podventure time uh, podventure time at gmail. That is, or you can tweet at us uh, at podventure time. And lastly, we have a Facebook page that you can participate in, the Treehouse Treasure Room, that you can take a look at and see where what we're posting and what, what activities we're up to. But we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear your thoughts on the episodes, uh, both the podcast episode and the Adventure Time episodes. If you're watching or the show along with us, uh, 
my goodness, thank you for being so patient with us <laughs> and holding off. Um, <laughs> it's been a minute since you watched Adventure Time. Yeah, uh, we really appreciate your adherence to the experiment at this point. Um, that was the that was the meta experiment. Is also this is a uh, this is one of those like experiments with like how long will people obey some sort of authority? And so if like we told them like only watch episodes <laughs> right. when we watch them, and then and then we didn't release a podcast episode for an entire like year and a half. Uh, how long? How many of them? I just wait? watched the community episode where Abed waits for Annie's psych, psych experiment to start for twenty four hours. Exactly. Yep the uh, the Duncan of the Duncan principle. <laughs> um, so, anywho, uh, those are the ways you can contact us. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we thank you for listening, uh, and always. So, thank you, uh, and please reach out when you, yeah. When we you have the time. would love to hear from you. Uh, we also love to hear from ourselves. That's why we have a podcast. It's called Podventure Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I anticipate we'll be back. Uh, but until we are, I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. Mayhaps we drank the juice of the Elder Toad. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we also love to hear from ourselves. That's why we have a podcast. It's called Podventure Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know... I anticipate we'll be back, Uh, but until we are, I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. Mayhaps we drank the juice of the Elder Toad.